Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Welcome to the Waiting Warriors. Today we have a fun guest. This is Lindsay Gordon, who I've known my entire life. And welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks, Michelle. So, Lindsay, why don't you tell us, just tell us your story. Okay. Um, I wanted to start by thanking Michelle for thinking of me. Like Michelle said, we've known each other, I think, since almost the day she was born. Um, but I... I am a first responder wife. My husband is a firefighter and I met my husband 18 years ago in college and we've been married for 16 years now. Um, I have a daughter that will turn 10 years old very soon and a son that's going to be 13 by the end of this summer. Um, like I said, my husband's a firefighter and I am a full-time working elementary school teacher. I teach third grade and have been teaching for on and off for 14 years now. Um, like I said, we met when we were in college. My husband uh, was working on getting his EMT classes, so his emergency medical technician classes. And by the time we were married, he was an EMT working 24 to 72 hour shifts at a time. So I kind of got a small taste when we were in college of what it was going to be like to be a firefighter wife. Mm -hmm. Some people don't really know what that means. And basically it, it's different from military. Our husbands don't go on long deployments, but they do have to work. Um, they work a standard 24 hour shift, but if they get overtime or forced, they typically work two to three, sometimes four five, six days in a row. Yeah. So I kind of got an idea of what that was going to be about. Um, after we got married, I just want to throw in there that I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, Crohn's disease. And I only share this because it's played a large part in our marriage and him being a firefighter. Yeah. Um, my husband, after he got his EMT, I graduated college and then he went on to paramedic school in the fire academy. And not by any choice of our own, but I was pregnant during both of his times while he was in school. And you can't work when you're in paramedic and fire school. So I was supporting us full time while having babies. So that was interesting. Wow. Yeah. You know, you got to do what you got to do. So um, he would work the weekends, but he couldn't work during the week. So he was just like a worked his EMT job on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And then once he finished school. It took him a while to get hired. Uh, being a firefighter in California, at least where we live, is very competitive. So from start to finish, it took him eight years to get hired as a firefighter. And that was really trying my patience. But I just felt like if this is really what you want to do, then you got to do it. Um, so something about my husband is that he loves being a firefighter. Uh, as a result, he's gotten lots of extra qualifications. So this has required him to be in a lot of extra schooling and a lot of extra training and time away from home and the family. And I've always mm -hmm. been supportive of that because this will give him more career opportunities for him to move up. And as a result, he actually has moved up the fastest in his 
department and the whole entire history of the city. Um, oh, wow. Good for him. Yeah. So it's definitely, it's been really positive for our family, but in the same sense, it's been a big sacrifice because he's had to just take all these extra classes and schooling that are on top of his normal day job. So he started out as a firefighter paramedic. He then promoted to an engineer and now he is a captain and he's actually in college again right now, taking classes to finish his bachelor's degree because he has lots of specialties, but he doesn't have his actual bachelor's degree. So Mm. he's finishing that. He's doing online schooling right now through Colorado university and um, he's finishing that up so he can hopefully he's already taken all of his chief classes and in the next few years he would eventually like to promote to chief and um, he's basically doing that to support our family um, but living in Southern California and being a firewife definitely has its challenges because California or just the West Coast in general is known for the wildfires and so bad. that's where I lose my husband. So fire season, we kind of joke around. It really never ends in California. This past year it went all the way through December. Yeah. It typically starts in June and goes through October. And Josh typically, um, that's my husband. I don't think I mentioned his name yet. He typically <laughs> fights four to five wildfires per season where he's actually on the front line fighting the fires. And then the rest of the time, if he's not there, um, he's backfilling at the stations. So when he leaves on a wildfire, it is a two to three week assignment where they go. And the, the difficult thing is depending on where he's at, depends on if there's cell phone reception and if we can talk to him, if he's in a decent area, what they do is they work 24 hours on, 24 hours of rest, 24 hours on, 24 hours of rest. So during this 24 hours of rest, he'll be able to call us and we'll be able to talk to him for like five mm-hmm. to 10 minutes. Um, however, like two years ago, he was in an area where most of the summer we had no contact with him whatsoever. So that was difficult. So this is kind of where I've basically found myself as a wife and a mother And what I found myself capable of is when he's gone on these long shifts, it was actually quite easier when the kids were younger. When my kids were little and he would be gone fighting these fires, they knew dad was gone, but they didn't understand why. And it it was hard being, I call myself a a single wife during those times because you want a break from your kids. Like sometimes there are days when you're like, I just want my spouse to come home and help me out with the kids. Yeah, but when yeah. they're gone for long periods of time, as you understand, um, you don't get that break. And sometimes you, I don't know, you have to give yourself that break. So I've learned over the years to ask, I have family close by, so I've learned to ask for help with my family and just be like, Hey, I need to go to the grocery store without the kids. Can you please come sit at my house for a half hour so I can at least go to the grocery store and all I might need is a gallon of milk. But if I can just walk the grocery store for a half hour, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. Yes. I think everyone has been there. Yeah. Because when you've got kids, you don't get that emotional break. You're on all the time, especially if they're getting up at night. And then if I'm working during the day, being a school teacher, I'm with kids all day. So that's been 
that's been kind of tough, but now it's harder as the kids have gotten older. They understand why my husband's gone and they understand Mm -hmm. that there's a chance that he may not come home. So I really try to limit the news. Um, The past few years, there's been, unfortunately, there's always firefighters that pass away on fires and my kids will hear that and they'll be like, hey, is that going to happen to dad? So I think for me, that's been really hard is seeing my kids emotionally understand what's going on with my husband. And I try to tell them that everything's going to be okay. But in the back of my mind, I really don't know if everything's going to be okay. So I've I've learned to put on, um, I don't want to call it a face or a front, but it is around my children. I've learned to be really strong in front of them and to really because my husband's gone mostly during the summer when we're out of school is to keep ourselves busy. So we try Mm -hmm. to fill our days with activities that um, we're blessed to live by the beach. We're blessed to live by someone that has a pool. Um, We try to spend our days doing fun things and my kids are involved in extracurricular activities. So we try to stay involved with that. I try to keep routines going so that when dad comes home, he's, in the routine. But the hard thing is I've realized when dad does come home that I've been in survival mode, that Mm -hmm. the routine's very different when he gets home. And sometimes we get in little arguments about, um, well, that's not how I do it. This is how I've been living. So this is how we do things now. And uh, I kind of have to like reintroduce him to what our family has been doing while he's been gone. Yeah. Um, some crazy things that I've done while my husband's been gone is I have, um, my husband considers me a very strong woman and I consider myself now a very strong woman. I have bought and sold and moved a home without him. Uh, that's probably the craziest, one of the craziest things I've had to do. We sold our other house and I had it pack up and move by myself. And I bought a house without him ever seeing the house. He just had to trust my judgment. See, I've I've done that with renting, but we knew we were only going to be renting for a year, so I wasn't too worried about it, but I can't imagine buying. Yeah, this house that we're actually living in right now, I bought this house without him being here. He was on a fire, and I contacted him and said, hey, I think I found our dream house, and do you want me to wait? Like, what do you want to do? And he's like, I don't know when I'm coming home. Just put in an offer. So I did, and I actually bought the house, signed all the papers and did everything. And he saw the house when we moved in. So he has a lot of faith and trust in me. And I have a lot of faith and trust in him, which really helps. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of been one of the crazy things. Something else that I feel like I've really done well with is when things break, I've learned how to fix them. So I've, I've learned how to fix pipes. Like we've had sink clogs and things like that. Nothing too major, but I've done that. I've learned um, with moving houses twice now I've moved without him and there's been things wrong with the house that I don't know how to fix. And I have a good group of people that I know through my husband that are like plumbers and electricians. So I've learned to call people and ask for help, which is a huge thing. Yeah. Admitting that you need help. Sometimes you can't do it all by yourself, but I'm pretty proud of myself that I can do some basic home repairs and put some things together, uh, furniture and things like that, that kind of, I always thought was the man's job, but I've learned how to do it. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny that it seems like first responder wives and military wives are often 
some of the most, not stubborn, but almost stubborn and like strong-willed people, which would really keep, like, which really keeps us from asking people for help. And yet we're the people who need it the most. Like it's, it's really interesting to me how life has kind of played that trick on us. It's almost like you thought you'd be able to get through life all on your own, but I'm going to put you in a situation where you have to rely on other people. Yeah. So that is like the perfect segue into what I was going to talk about was with my health, which is why I brought that up in the beginning. Um, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease almost 16 years ago, basically a couple months after we got married. And unfortunately, the past um, 16 years, I guess, I've been in and out of the hospital with various issues. And last year was a great example. I ended up getting a small bowel obstruction and had to go to the hospital. And my husband was gone up north fighting a fire. And it's like, what do you do? Well, I can't leave my kids home alone. So um, the good thing yeah. is, is my parents are close by and I have a network of friends that just kind of jump into action when these things happen. I've been in the hospital two or three different times while he's been on fires. So my parents stepped mm-hmm. in, took my kids. Um, I got to the hospital. I was checked in. I was there for a few days. I was able to get a hold of my husband and he was just like, I'm really sorry, but... I'm not able to come home. Oh, this was when all the big hurricanes were happening, like the flooding in Texas and all that. Yeah. And then California just lit on fire. Yeah. So he was in California fighting a fire. As soon as that was done, they were going to try to send him to Texas for like a month. And he was like, look, my wife's in the hospital. Like, I can't go to Texas right now. Can I please try to go home? And they, because first responders were so short staffed because of helping Um, My husband has some special qualifications that can send him anywhere in the U.S. for various things. All those guys were at their limits. They were completely stretched. And he's like, I can't even leave this fire because they want to send me to Texas and there's no one to take the place of the fire. So he apologized. He's like, I'm I'm stuck. Like, there's no way I can get home to you. And that's, I think, some of those moments are when I've learned my my real strength is I've had to... um, basically handle everything from a hospital bed. I've had to arrange during that time. Like my parents were there to help, but my mom also watches my other sister's kids. So she was already committed to that. So I had to find rides for my kids to and from school. I had to find rides to their activities. I got someone to take them to church. Like just having that network and learning how to to use that has been like a really eye-opening experience for me and a really humbling experience as well, realizing that the person I want there the most is my husband and he can't be there with me. And I'm dealing with the doctors and the kids in the hospital all by myself, yet trying to hold it all together. So I sound like, you know, so when people call me and things are going on, I, I can like, I guess, hold it together in a way, but in some of those moments have also been some of my darkest moments where I feel very much alone and very much just wanting someone to be there with me because those are the times when you want your husband there and you want your kids taken care of, and yet they're far away and they can't leave. And I think that for me is when I relied on my faith the most, knowing Mm -hmm. that everything will work out the way it's supposed to be. So um, 
And then you still have your kids that are worrying about their dad who's not home. And so being a fire wife has definitely um, strengthened me and my family in ways that I never thought were possible because we have to rely on each other so much to get through some tough times sometimes. And uh, that's, that's kind of my story. I've been a fire wife now for about nine years and I just love and support my husband so much and what he does and the kids do too. And we just know that it's not always easy, but in the long run, you know, I kind of joke around, he's, everyone's evacuating from the fire and he's running in or, you know, there's, there's some emergency situation and everyone's fleeing the scene and he's the one going in. So we definitely need, you know, our first responders and our military because there's something about them that makes them want to go in when everyone else is leaving. And that's given me a lot of respect for those professions. Yeah. One question I had while you were talking was you talked about how, um, you guys really trust each other. And I'm wondering, how did you guys build that trust? Obviously, being married for 16 years, every, everybody dreams about that happening. And you kind of assume that that deep into marriage, it would be there. But what what have you guys done to build that trust so it could be there? Because I know it doesn't just happen. But how did you cultivate that and build that together? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I think our first year of marriage was a very trying time for us. Uh, like a lot of people, you struggle those first couple years. And we were 22 years old when we got married. And within about a month or so of being married, um, we just had some real hard times. Uh, we found out that a credit card had been used in my husband's name and we owed a lot of money on it, even though he wasn't the one that did it. And financially, we were struggling right away. Um, three months into the marriage, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and I went into a very dark, deep depression. Um, cause here I was, I'm like, I'm 22 years old. I'm newly married. It's my first year of marriage. I'm finishing up my last year of college. It's the time of my life. And I was diagnosed with such a debilitating disease and I really had to rely on my husband. I had to stop working and do all sorts of um, medical things that were just so draining that I really had to rely on him to take care of me. And he had to start working two to three jobs to help make ends meet. And from that point on, I really just had to put my faith and trust in him. And then after that first year, um, things started to improve. I got a job and I started putting him through school and he had to rely on me at that point to make ends meet for us. And I think from the beginning, we just realized we were a team and no matter what we did, we had to work at it. We made all of our decisions together, like big decisions. We always really thought about it and prayed about it and really just, we really wanted to have this amazing relationship. We came from families that our parents are both still married, but we wanted, we wanted this dream fairy tale and it, it didn't happen that way. And I think because our first year was rocked so hard with 
so many different things. Our first year, we were working between the two of us five jobs. They weren't big jobs. They were little jobs. And I worked when only I could work um, because of health issues. And I think that's really what built our trust in the beginning was I, we kind of joke around, like most people would have given up on their first year of marriage because it was so hard for us. Like we moved in three different apartments. We, we were just financially, emotionally, medically spent and we just had to stick it out and make it work. And I think I was totally crazy. I always joke around and say that, but I really think I was. And for him to stick by my side and to see me through everything at such a young age too, when it's so easy to walk away, Mm -hmm. really helped us build that trust. And then we still, to this day, we talk every day that we can. Um, If he's at work or I'm at work, we always have a first phone call in the morning. We'll always call each other on our lunch breaks and we always call each other in the evening. So we, we try to talk at least two to three times a day when he's around, obviously during fire season, that's not a possibility, but um, really just try to keep those lines of communication open at all times. And I think that's, what's really helped us is we get each other now. Yeah. That's awesome. I knew, I knew there had been a ton going on with you with the health, but when that was going on, I was a teenager and stuff, but we we um, were in the same church, so I knew things were going on, but I had no idea. So to put it in perspective, because you're the same age as my sister, correct? Yes. So when I got married, she was 10 years old. So you were 10 years old, so I don't expect you to remember that, 10 or 11. <laughs> you were a baby. But um, yeah, you know, and it was, it's really difficult when you get, when you're so young and you get diagnosed with a disease that you're told is incurable and you go on multiple medications. And for me, they just didn't work. I wasn't in remission actually until 2009. So it took me seven years later to finally get things under control. Um, So my husband, I really had to put my faith and trust in him um, during some difficult times, which is really I think helped me support him now in his career and what he does because we've been through so much throughout our marriage. Mm -hmm. Are there ever, and just so the audience knows, Lindsay said I could ask her any question. She's an open book. So I'm going to ask kind of a difficult question. Is there ever a time where you're the, the faith and trust, there's a fleeting thought of doubt and what do you do that do with that? Like, do you have kind of an Im- immediate response or a process to get rid of that? Oh gosh. Um, yeah, of course I doubt. Um, of course I question things. Of course I lose faith in things because I'm human. Um, I would like to say I'm rock solid, but I'm not. Um, sometimes it's not immediate. Sometimes I do wallow and have self-pity, especially <laughs> in July um, around my daughter's birthday. I can't even tell you when my husband was last home for her birthday. And yeah. my son's birthday is in September. Same thing. I have no idea when he was last home for his actual birthday. Yeah. And the start of our school year. Um, and for me, that's really being a teacher, starting my own school year, but having my kids start their school year and typically him missing the first day of school. And I get 
angry and bitter and upset sometimes that I see other moms with their husbands there or other kids with their dads there. And my kids miss those opportunities. So I definitely have moments where I'm just like, this, this sucks. This is awful. Like why me? Why our family? Um, what usually gets me out of it is I usually call my mom and (laughs) moms are great. She always puts things in perspective and she's like, yeah, but look what your husband can do with his job. He is able to take off time and coach my son's teams. And so she always spends it in the positive. Um, there are times where I will just call up a friend and be like, Hey, let's, let's go do something. I need to like get my mind off of this or, um, and definitely my religious beliefs, my faith helped me. Um, I can dive in and study and ponder and pray and remember that I have things pretty well. And then um, some things I do to take care of myself when I'm having those moments is sometimes I'll go get a pedicure and a manicure. A little little girl time is always good. And then whenever my husband comes back from a long fire, it's kind of a tradition now. I get to go get a massage. Well-deserved. Yes. And then uh, at the beginning of last school year, which was the first time he's ever done it, but it meant a lot. He actually sent me flowers and the note was very simple, but it was something along the lines like, you're such a strong woman and I admire you. Have a great school year. And so... But yes, I do have moments like everyone does where you're just losing that faith, but um, they're fleeting. They don't last very long. I try not to harp on them because the negative can definitely take over your life. So I try to keep things positive and moving forward. Awesome. Okay, last question. What is your key to thriving that you would like to share with other waiting warriors? I think the key to thriving for me personally that I would love to share with others is that whether it's your husband or for men, your wife that are out there, um, I think it's remembering that they are serving the community and the world in a way that many others can't. And it's such an admirable career and choice that my husband would hate me for saying this, but I admire and adore him for that. And I think to remember that you're not alone, that there's tons of other people going through this Mm -hmm. and that we all have each other's backs and that we all support each other. And just to keep supporting our spouses too, because it can be a very lonely and draining line of work sometimes depending on what they're involved in but they're all exposed to things that you and I probably wouldn't want to see or comprehend and I think just keeping that that going for them and for us is probably the best thing we could do amazing thank you so much for being on the show I know I've lived up to her for years I've like she said from 10 till I left our blessed beach town when I was 18, I, I was there and I saw you all summer long, you know, every Sunday at church showing up with Josh being gone and, um, just hearing from your sister who I was close to about everything that was going on. I've always really admired you. So thank you so much for being on the show. And I, Oh, I'm having like a total mind blank. 
It's okay. After you have kids, half your brains go to your kids anyway. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So Lindsay, for those who would like to reach out to you, um, how can they best do that? Uh, well, there's a couple ways you could find me on Facebook, Lindsay Gordon. The problem is that's such a generic name, so that might be hard, but you could, you could always contact, um, you, right, Michelle? Yeah. Yeah. I can link your Facebook in the podcast. That'd be awesome. Yeah. They can contact you and, um, because I know you so well, you could get a hold of me instantly and I could respond to anyone. I'm always willing to. Uh, reach out and share my story and whatever info I might have with anyone. It'd be my yeah. Because it's like you said, we have a very lonely position as the loved ones of firefighters and law enforcement and military and all those first responders. But at the same time, we're not alone. We can all be here for each other. So again, thank you, Lindsay, and for all you listeners out there. Until next time, you guys have a great week. Today's sponsor is Brightbox. Brightbox is an easy, affordable way to brighten somebody's day. You can send someone a quick pick-me-up without the hassle of running around. The purpose of Brightbox is to lift, love, and serve others. Brighten a day with just a few clicks from your phone, sending a customized box straight to the drawer with the price points of $5, $10, or $15, and free shipping. Find a perfect fit at brightboxes.shop or follow along at brightboxes on Instagram for all kinds of ways you can serve and give back to the world. Brighten a day with Brightbox.